this is Kindle from Recording Lounge. I'm here to do a show about getting good guitar tone. We did a show back a few months ago about uh, 57 Shootout. And what I realized after listening to that show again recently, I was like, well, you know, that show, the distortion, the tone of that guitar in that show was not exactly usable in all applications. It was supposed to be... That was taken from a song that I was recording, and that was supposed to be a very mellow overdrive in the background. And I thought to myself, okay, well, what if I wanted a more direct, upfront guitar sound, a little more lead, maybe not necessarily lead, but a little more of a main guitar tone? And that <laughs> led me into thinking about doing a show about getting good guitar tone from the get-go, because I did talk about putting up the 57, but what's more important than putting up the 57 or the AKG 414 or the Neumann whatever mic, you know, it doesn't even matter. What's more important than all of those is getting the good tone from the source. And one way to do that is by getting a good amp and setting it up how it sounds good and putting the mic where it sounds best. That's the best way to do it. Many people these days have an affinity for, you know, uh, using digital amp simulators and things like that. I really just don't think they sound that good. They just don't. I mean, you can try, you can get something that's decently close, but to get something that really, really sounds big, full, has a lot of depth, you have to use a real amp. Just the dynamics of a real amp are unbelievable. Because it's pushing physical air through speakers, you know, it's actually pushing the air. It's not just pretending to push air. It's not just a fake. It's really doing it. Now, there comes the topic of budget, where a lot of people are saying, well, I don't have the money to get a tube amp, or I don't have the money to get a really nice uh, Soldano, or a, what, you know, what have you, some nice Fender, some twin reverb or something. And then comes the other topic of, well, I, I live in an apartment and I can't be loud. Well, you know, those are very hard things to deal with. And as far as a recording studio goes, sure, that's, uh, that's one thing you really got to consider. But honestly, if you want good tone, sometimes you have to, you know, you know, if you live in the apartment, you might have to go to a studio locally and record some of their amps there if you really want the best tone you can. Because... Using a pod or using a Behringer V-amp or using guitar rig or using amp room or Line 6 amp modelers or amp farm or whatever, whatever millions of them there are out these days, they can give you a tone that will work and that is usable and that will totally probably do the job and especially if it's in the background but as an upfront sound. People can tell. People can tell when guitars are fake sounding, when they sound cheap, or when they sound, I don't know, they don't sound big, they don't sound full, they sound thin and digital. What I want is to see more people having a dedication to tone, having a dedication to amps, and bands using amps, because when you play live, you often are using an amp. Not always these days, but often you are. And... Most of the best bands that are in the industry these days are using amps. They really are. Most of the best bands out there 
are tone freaks. They really care about their tone. And a lot of people don't think that tone matters so much in some ways. They say, oh, you know, it's about the music. It's not about the tone. Well, the tone is included in the music. If metal guitarists were using clean amps, I'm not, I'm not sure how metal it would be. That is tone. I mean, the amount of distortion is a, is a part of tone. It really is. If Keith Urban was using a, a, an EVH amp, I don't really know how well that would fit. And whoever you're talking about, tone is a big deal. John Mayer's tone is a big deal to a lot of people. Eddie Van Halen's tone was a big deal. Jimi Hendrix's tone was a big deal. ACDC. All of their, they, I mean, they took really, really strong measures to get good tone. And they were in the golden age of amps, man. They really were. Some of the best amps were, were made in the 60s and 70s. So I'm going to play you a clip. I want to get this started because I want you to start listening. And I want you to start hearing what I'm talking about. I'm going to play you a clip of my favorite clean tone. This is recorded with a custom-built amp that I have made by a friend of mine, Bob Peck, here. And he builds custom amps. This amp is sort of a play off of a 66 Deluxe Reverb circuit, except the EQ is totally different. It's a three-band EQ, and it's not really from the Fender schematic. And it has a master volume, and the reverb is just beautiful on this amp. It's just incredible. It's a spring reverb. Uh, the amp is using JJ tubes and I believe some RCA preamp tubes. So those are vintage tubes and the JJs are new, but they sound good. And just, it's using a 212 cabinet as opposed to a 112, which is usually what the Deluxe Reverb has. I put three mics on this cabinet. SM57 on the right speaker, about center, maybe 45 degrees off the center of the cone, in the very center of the cone. I put an RE20 on the other speaker, Electro Voice RE20, about, it was on axis, uh, and it was in between the center of the speaker and the edge of the speaker. Third mic I put was a Perlman TM1, somewhere between one and three feet away from the entire cabinet, just facing the very center, so it could get both speakers. I have these panned as follows, the, the Perlman's in the center, the SM57 is on the left, and the RE20 is on the right. Volumes are kind of adjusted here and there. The only thing that is on this is a compressor and some reverb. There's no EQ added to this at all. I think that's really the best way to go about getting guitar sounds, is not having to EQ them later, because the way you EQ really affects the way the sound is. When I say that, I mean the way you EQ the amp, the way you EQ it before it hits the speaker is very, very important to how the overall sound is. That's why it's very difficult for a lot of people to use an amp that doesn't have an EQ, it just maybe has a tone knob, because you have to get it right. You really have to get it right. I really wanted a lot of custom control over the sound, so I had Bob wire in the pots to specific bandwidths how I liked them. The mid control is a low mid control. The bass is super variable. I can go from completely beefy bass to none, no low end. So I really enjoyed get doing, getting the custom amp because I could get the exact sound I wanted. The, like I said, all that's added to this is one compressor and a reverb. That's it. 
This is Clean Tone. I think that's a very usable clean tone in a lot of situations. I know it was sort of a simple clip, a simple guitar part, but as I think you can hear, the important things to notice are things like the frequencies, the frequency response, the dynamics of it, the, the sensitivity, the real power that comes from that clean tone. It's surprising, really. And like I said, there's nothing on that other than a compressor and a reverb. The reverb is... Uh, Sony Oxford Reverb plugin. It's um, set to a custom setting that I call ballroom. It's kind of a plate sound, except with a few different sounds, and it's a little bit darker. I've adjusted some of the absorption amount, various things. I call it ballroom. It's kind of supposed to be a big, open, kind of a cross between a big room and a plate sound. So that's all that was added to it. Now, next thing I'm going to play you is a distorted guitar tone. This was done with the same amp except the settings were a little bit different. It was, there was one 57 on it, just a single 57 on the right speaker, which is a Warehouse V30, which is a recreation of the original Vintage 30 speaker from Celestion. And uh, it's an American-made company. I love their, their speakers. Um, I was using a Love Pedal Eternity Kanji pedal as the overdrive. He had a... Pigtronics Philosopher's Tone as the compressor and a Boss Delay pedal. I'm not sure the model. It was the Dual Delay pedal, DD20 or something like that. And all the cables were running pretty quietly. Uh, we're using a we're using batteries on a lot of it. He was doing some tapping on it on a guitar, and uh, we were just running straight into the amp. Like I said, most of the distortion that you hear is from the pedal. The amp is breaking up a little bit because the amp was a, was cranked a little but most of this distortion is from the pedal. However, like I said, this is one mic, and the only thing I've added to this is a compressor and the same reverb that I added to the last one. So here's the sound. people might find that tone hard to get from just an amp. Well, I'll tell you, the secret is a good amp and a good cabinet. The room is pretty important, but not nearly as important as those two. I, I, that amp was recorded in a closet with uh, a single 57 right up on the speaker. 
about 45 degrees, maybe maybe about 20 something degrees. It was it wasn't too steep of an angle from the very center of the speaker. Like I said, it was a 212 cabinet with a warehouse ET65 and a warehouse V30 veteran 30 is what they call it. And the amp was a custom wired amp. The closest thing to it is the Fender Deluxe Reverb that you can buy now. Except the Fender Deluxe Reverb is using a Chinese-made speaker with cheap tubes and a 112 rather than a 212. Although it is a pretty decent amp. If you get that amp and replace the speaker and the tubes, it sounds a hundred times better. It really does. So, the moral of the story is not to say you've got bad tone. It is to say... Search for it, you know, run after it. As an engineer, you have to be searching for good tone. You have to really understand what good tone is and how to get it. If you're really searching for good tone, good guitar tone, you have to really experiment with a lot of things. Pedals, guitar amps, guitars, heck, guitarists, rooms, mics. Often, you know, I work up at a pro studio here around where my hometown is, and... We have some of the best mics they make. We have U47s, and we have Telefunken mics. We have all kinds of good stuff. But what do we end up using on guitar a whole lot? We end up using mics that are all under $1,000, generally. We sometimes use RA20s. We use MD421s. About 90% of the time, we're just using a 57. Sometimes we use lower-cost ribbon mics. Generally, an SM57 will get the job done. I don't know what it is about that mic, probably the frequency response and just the way it picks up a guitar amp, just the dynamics of it. It is just the standard. It really picks up. I've put up microphones that cost five times the price, 20 times the price. I mean, I've put up microphones that cost $2,000 and guitarists don't like the sound of it as much as the 57. They hear their tone when they hear the 57. There's something about it. That, that, isn't, that should be encouraging because the 57 is $100. And we've talked about how good it is. And there are a lot of mics you don't have to use the 57. You don't have to use it. But personally, I think it's better than the Audix i5. I think it's better than, you know, the lower-end Shure mics. Or I think it's better than Audio-Technica mics. I think it's a great mic for snare drum and guitar amps. There's something about it that I just can't ignore. That tone to me is good, and that tone to me gets the job done. And in many cases, even for a metal sound, which is what I'm about to play you, this is a friend of mine who recorded this with a 5150, a pretty common metal amp, with two SM57s. That's only $200 for your guitar tone. One of them was on axis, and the other was off axis. They were just right next to each other. One was pointing at the center of the speaker, and the other was pointing at, you know, about 45 degrees, something like that. It's a very common setup for metal, just to kind of get a bit of a phasey sound, just slightly. You can mix the two, you can pan them, you can do whatever you want. The only thing that is added to this is some slight EQ to one of the mics. No compression, no reverb. <laughs>
so this isn't limited to any genre. The 57 isn't just for clean amps. It's not just for distorted amps. It's for anything, really. And you have to understand it's not about the price of the gear that makes it. The custom amp I bought was pricier than the average tube amp, but it was really, really worth it. And it wasn't nearly as expensive as some of the vintage amps that you know you can find used. And so to me, that was a great deal. And I've become so infatuated with custom amps that I don't even know if I'll ever buy a stock amp again. And it's because the tone I can really get from a custom amp because I know how it works and I know what it is. The only way to do this otherwise is to really learn the amps. Know what your amps can do and what they can't do. Like we've said before in this show, solid state amps generally can't do it. Most all of the recordings that you know and that you have listened to were recorded with tube amps. And so generally what we do subconsciously is try to emulate tones of guitarists that we like, of bands that we like. So even for metal bands, Killswitch Engage uses a 5150. A bunch of bands use 5150s. Under Oath is using an orange 8030, you know, for clean sounds. I know John Mayer, I've seen him using Vox amps. I've seen him using Fender amps. I've seen him using custom amps. 65 amps. The brand, not 65 amps, you know. Um, I've seen him using all kinds of stuff. I know he uses certain full-tone pedals, Robert Keeley pedals. The Edge uses all kinds of various amps. There's a lot of stuff that you can research like this if you're curious what your favorite guitarists are using. And you can't, it's not as simple as just saying, oh, okay, well, the guy from Under Oath uses an 8030, or John Mayer uses this, or Keith Urban uses this, or Brad Paisley uses this, and then going to a Line 6 amp modeler and then modeling it and saying, hey, yeah, that sounds as good. Because I know that you know, often if you compare the two, it doesn't. And what's sad is a lot of people will blame their recording skill. A lot of people will blame their mic selection. They'll say, man, I've only got an SM57, or man, I don't have a console, or I don't have the best converters, or I don't have the best interface, or whatever. So I can't get good guitar tone because of that. And truth be told, that's just wrong. Very, very often, having a good amp, a 57, and a decent preamp, it doesn't even have to be a Neve or an API. It can be uh, a True Systems P-Solo or something in the $300 to $500 range will get you a pretty good tone. For me, I really like API. I really like Universal Audio. I really like A-Designs. I really like Neve. I think all of those get good tones, especially API and Neve. I really like those a lot on guitars. Are they pricey? Yeah, you know, they're $800, $900 a channel for a new one and... You know, for a vintage one, you're probably paying, especially if it's got an EQ. If it's got an EQ, it's probably fifteen hundred or two thousand a channel new, and vintage will probably be four thousand a channel new, or four thousand a channel vintage, recapped, serviced, like new. So sure, that's ridiculous. I mean, to get one channel of recording, you'd be spending four thousand dollars on a vintage ten seventy three or ten sixty six. But people do it. And it's because tone is very important. Everything affects everything. You have to understand that. So if your guitar tone is not that good, it can make the whole song sound bad. It's unbelievable that it can do that. But in rock music, if you have a bad sounding drum kit, a bad sounding 
guitar arrangement, the whole song can sound bad. That, uh, guitars and drums are one of the biggest things in rock music. Guitars and drums are big, and you know, bass and vocals are big too, but having a crappy-sounding drum kit can really make an entire song sound bad. I'm really tempted to do a podcast just on that, to record a song with a good drum kit and then record it with a crappy drum kit and let you hear how much different the whole song sounds. I mean, it really can make... That's one thing I don't want you to get upset about. If you have a recording and you're thinking, man, my recordings will never sound pro or I I just can't get good results, often it might be because of just one or two elements. Maybe it's just the vocals. The vocals can really make a big, big difference whether or not a song sounds good. The drums can make a big difference whether or not a rock song sounds good. The guitars, all of it. It's unbelievable how much, you know, if you if you record a song and the vocalist comes in and just ruins it, it's unbelievable how much the song can sound totally different based on the vocal. And it really is true with guitars too. Give that some thought. And if you have any questions, please email me recordingloungepodcast at gmail.com. I really appreciated some of the questions um, and comments I've gotten from people. So thank you so much for those. I, ha- I know I haven't done a show in a while, and I'm really sorry. I'm, I'm planning on getting back into it now that I've got some time. Um, this has been a really busy summer for me. I hope everybody's had a good, good summer so far. Please email me any of your suggestions. Very soon, is, it's actually in the works as we speak, uh, is coming the low-end show. There's a show I promised about mixing the low end, and I'm working on it as we speak. I've got some really cool stuff planned for it, some really good information in that show. So within the next few weeks, hopefully, check back to see for the low end show, mixing the low end, about mixing for any genre, not just rock, not just rap or country or whatever, getting a good solid low end. That's what's coming up next. I hope you like this podcast. Please email me any questions you've got. Check out the blog. It's recordinglounge.blogspot.com. Thank you.